Are you wondering if now is the right time for you to take the leap and go into private practice? You're certainly not the first therapist to ponder this important question. Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Whitehead. Denise Hoyt and I wrote the book, The Psychotherapist Success Guide, that attempts to answer this and a lot of other questions. Let's begin. So, Bill, we're here talking today about when to take the plunge into starting your own private practice. Now, now, wait a minute. You're saying that you need more than training and therapy to be able to start a business? You need yeah. more than knowing that you're good at it? Can't you just hang out a shingle and the world will beat a path to your front door? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was being Darn. facetious. <laughs> yeah. It takes more than a Google ad as well. So... Taking that plunge, it, it, the plunge is a good turn of phrase because it, it feels for many people very much like standing on the high dive the very first time and saying, this is terrifying. How can I, how can I do this? Right. Right. And I think it's about, um, first of all, knowing exactly what you expect out of private practice. Mm -hmm. um, do you expect more money? Do you expect more time? Um, do you expect more flexibility? Uh, do you expect more autonomy? I mean, what are your expectations that the reason that you would be going to do that? Because you take on some of the tasks that others have been taking on for you before. And as I hear you go through that list, I think, yeah, I've pretty much all of those things I did find in private practice. Mm -hmm. Though, of course, the the uh, the terror of the buck stops here um, uh, can't be discounted. You know, one thing that I would say uh, should not rule out taking the plunge is the imposter syndrome. Ah, the good old imposter syndrome. Yes, <laughs> feeling like, what the heck am I doing here? How am I supposed to help these people? Feeling like you're you're a little kid putting on daddy's shoes and coats and walking around and uh, just playing like you're an adult. Uh, that is about universal, though. It is. It and is. It, it's something that you can talk to your colleagues about, but you probably shouldn't talk to your clients about. <laughs> <laughs> no. Always portray confidence and competence. Always portray confidence and competence, yeah. even when you don't feel it. And for me, that imposter syndrome was certainly there. Um, and it, for me, faded in about a year, two years. I, I began to feel like, yes, I'm giving these people a useful mm -hmm. service. How about you? Yeah, I think it was the same. Um, I just remember being terrified whenever I had a brand new client. Mm -hmm. And after I was in the room with them, it was like, okay, I got this. I'm okay. But The other thing uh, that is parallel to that is you're suddenly thrust into positions uh, that you may not have had what you think of as adequate training. Correct. I remember the first time I worked in a a staff model HMO, they said, oh, your next uh, patient is a couple. I had never done couples therapy in my life, and yet I had, oh, roughly 15 seconds 
<laughs> to work up the confidence to work with this couple that was just there. And, and no one had asked me if I saw couples. They just gave me a couple. Well, sounds like you're really good at that collaborative and one-down situation. <laughs> <laughs> what I am good at is thinking on my feet, I guess. And I, I would encourage that as a, as a trait for therapists is flexibility and, and uh, being able to just, just do it. Yeah. So if someone's looking at starting a private practice, when is the good, when's the best time? Well, I think you need two things just absolutely as essential. One is some cash or a cash alternative, a plan. And number two, even more important, is a steady stream of referrals. And we'll talk about the referrals in another video because that, that deserves its own time. But yes. how, are, how did you manage to make that transition? How did you get the, yeah. uh, get the cash to get started? Yeah, well, I had, I had three situations. One, one was joining, um, having my own practice, but with a, within a group of other therapists. And so they kind of helped with the referrals and, you know, so they could direct clients to me almost immediately. Um, the second was I was in a situation where it was just time to leave and start my own business. And in that case, I took the entire group of clients with me, mm -hmm. uh, which was the easiest, easiest way to do it. As far as income goes, you didn't lose income during that time. Mm -hmm. The third time required us moving to a different part of the country and starting from scratch knowing no one in that community. That was tougher. I can imagine that yeah. would be tougher. And I imagine it, you did burn through some cash as you were. Uh, it took about a year. It yeah. took about a year to get a full client slate, but being on the insurance panel certainly helped. Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. Talk about that more when we get to the referrals, but yes, that's a, a, right. a great tip right now. Uh, my experience was very atypical, so I don't want to lean on it too much. Again, I had this, uh, this group practice that suddenly folded. They went bankrupt. And so they said, well, you've already got an office. You've already got some uh, clients. Just keep going, but we're out of here. <laughs> now, that was lucky. It was. Uh, what we found in our interviews with therapists and how they got started, really two patterns emerged. One of them was working in a group practice, building up some clientele, starting to get referrals where they asked for you not to see a therapist, but to see me. Correct. And then uh, moving off into private practice at that point, just mm -hmm. breaking away from the group. Mm -hmm. uh, the other pattern is uh, the side hustle pattern where you're working for an agency, but you find um, some time in the evening and you can borrow another professional's office, something very common. It uh, is common. And uh, then just slowly, slowly, slowly building up that evening practice until you're confident that it can be your main source of income and you can stop your day job. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tough leap, it as is we a mentioned earlier. <laughs> now, with regard to that, uh, th that first one, um, it's pretty much universal, isn't it? That if you're in a group practice and you say, I'd like to leave today and take all my patients and records with me, they say, oh. 
No, oftentimes they're very upset and angry because you're yeah. taking an in in income source away from them, yes. right? So when I ran a group practice, we had some contracts that we signed, uh -huh. right? And those contracts had some specific um, regulation about if you were leaving the practice, what happened with the clients and what happened with the records. So always make sure if you're leaving to know what the deal is. Um, I was very lucky with my group. Um, whatever clients wanted to follow me were welcome to do that. Um, and the records, and they were happy to make the records my own. But when I talk to uh, some of our customers on the phone, that's one thing we talk about. And they usually find it's not the case. They don't get to have the records. And they just kind of sneak the patients off, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, sometimes uh, it's very harsh. Sometimes the contract you signed, and you may not even have read it when you were just starting work there, you were so happy to get a job, you didn't read it carefully. But sometimes there's non-compete clauses that say things like, you may not open an office within 50 miles of this office right. for two years, and that you've agreed to that. Well, it, it certainly behooves you to know all of these things before you take that leap. Um, yeah. How about the records? What happens if you have been seeing some clients and you really like uh, the old notes that you yourself wrote? Well, certainly since you wrote them, you can just take them, can't you? In most group practices, the answer is no. Uh. It's because the group practice is the owner of the records. You were the scribe of those records, but they actually own the records and own the rights to release those records. Mm -hmm. Now, it's possible that they could turn that over to you and you do a request of a release of records for all of those patients. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, honestly. And most of, you know probably only need to do it with your active clients who might be following you. Right. Um, but it's, it is possible. I've always said that with group practices, there are some who are going to feel upset and uh, it's not going to be a good experience of leaving. There are others who wish you well and want you to be successful because they know what they're doing is growing, helping to grow successful people. Mm -hmm. And maybe they go into it for that specifically. The bad news is you can't really ask, uh, gee, if I leave the practice, what are you going to do? Because uh, then you've kind of blown it. Then the referrals are going to dry up. And, and so how do you go about finding out what's going to happen? How, am I going to be greeted warmly as I try to leave this practice? Yeah. Or are they going to act like I'm Benedict Arnold? Well, I think that comes to that contract situation in the beginning. Read it. And those are great questions to ask then, in the beginning. <laughs> but you probably haven't done that, right? right? So. Um, so then it's about probably not turning your hand and letting, letting them know what's happening until you have all of your plans lined up. If you happen to know somebody that used to work for that practice and left, that's a great one. that would be a great asset. But that's yeah, not that's always going one. to be the case, I yeah. guess. Right. So those are some of the, that's, that's a negative. That's a tough part of doing right. that. Um, so Bill, what about the person who's just finished with their supervised practice and they're like, okay, I'm going to hang my shingle up. What would you say about that situation? Some people actually do that. I was surprised in my interviews with successful therapists that 
some of them just did that, just got licensed and the next day they had an office. Frankly, I don't know how he managed, but, mm -hmm. uh, but he did it and he's quite successful today. I suspect it's, if you know about yourself that you have that marketing personality, then, uh, then that might work for you. Mm -hmm. But um, not my recommendation. Not mine either, but sometimes it's a necessity. So we've talked about when it's time to take that leap. And again, at the risk of repetition, you've got to get the steady flow of referrals. You've got to have some kind of business plan. Um, let's talk about that business plan for a little bit. Okay. Now, now, of course, there is such a thing in business as a business plan. That there is. And uh, sometimes, like if you're looking to get a loan from a bank, you need a very formal business plan. And I would say that it may be very difficult to get a loan from a bank unless you have a steady stream of referrals coming in. Right. Unfortunately, uh, the rule of thumb about banks is they'll only give you money if you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> But if you have a st steady stream of referrals, it's very possible that um, if you can maybe borrow some money from a friend or a family member, mm -hmm. at least to maybe cover the first last and getting, them, the, getting your, your place furnished, then hopefully your steady stream can kind of kick in if you're working hard and help you get covered. Sounds good. And you've provided a nice segue for the next video in this series, which is kind of the nuts and bolts of selecting an office, uh, getting a, a, a great lease agreement and how to go about doing that and how to decorate an office, the sorts of things you're trying to uh, show off in your new office. Uh, mm -hmm. So tune into that next one. All right. This podcast was brought to you by Therapy Appointment, a practice management system designed especially for psychotherapists. Therapy Appointment provides online scheduling, billing, insurance, charting, appointment reminders, teletherapy, HIPAA-compliant communication, and much more. Therapy Appointment. You provide the therapy, we provide the rest. More info at www.therapyappointment.com. If you have a suggestion for a future episode of this podcast, please email me at bill at therapyappointment.com. Thanks for listening. See you again next week.